Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And what's up, GC Live fam? Tuesday, jam-packed episode of the show. We got plenty to get to, uh, starting a little bit late. That's always going to be the MO, by the way, on Tuesday. We have Beamer press conference. We have player press conferences. Um, the way they're doing that this year, sort of very similar to last year. Then on Wednesday, you have uh, coordinator press conferences. So every Tuesday, go ahead and mark it down. We'll probably be more like um, 2.30 or so. Uh, just depending on how long it takes us to get from press conference back home, get set up, have lunch, and, and sort of get rolling. Again, I'm Wes Mitchell, joined here very shortly by Chris Clark, who will be hopping on as soon as he can get back to his hizzy in Irmo. Uh, this show is, as always, brought to you by Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933 is how you can find Clint. The uh, 71597 is the NMLS number for Clint. Um, and then uh, you can also email him, chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. Again, uh, if you're in that market, nobody's saying you, you got to go buy a house just for listening to the show. But if you are in that market, maybe uh, looking at buying a house or just uh, maybe you've been thinking about refinancing, give Clint a shout. This is a great time to lock in some of those lower interest rates and uh, and save yourself some money. So, uh, again, 803-771-6933 is the way to find Clint. Shout out to everybody already in the chat. I see y'all are there. I see you're fired up. I see you're ready for some football. As we officially begin, I, I would say Tuesday for me um, sort of begins the new week uh, as we start to turn the page from the opponent from last week to the opponent for this week. So turning the page from Eastern Illinois to East Carolina for South Carolina as the, you know, that the competition steps up just a little bit, y'all. I think, you know, we went into that game thinking EIU was not a great football team and uh, South Carolina treated them like they were not a great football team. Obviously the 46 to nothing win, we we talked about it. How do you sort of frame that up? How much of it is um, opponent? How much of it is, um, you know, just that South Carolina played well. Uh, we've talked about that quite a bit already. Went, went all through it on Monday. Uh, today, we start to turn the page to, to East Carolina and, and sort of expectations for this game. Now, as far as our content on Gamecock Central, we will we still have, I would say probably going into Wednesday, we'll still have breakdowns, analysis, more in-depth type stuff going all the way up to probably, probably middle of Wednesday. Then I think that's really when you start looking ahead to this game. As I go out now to uh, to Chris Clark, who is uh, doing what I'm normally doing, and that's shoving some food in his face. Uh, Chris, uh, I was just telling everybody it is sort of uh, an eventful day, at least on campus, as far as the media goes for, for football. Tuesday press conferences, you start to get some notes. And, 
you really start to sort of turn the page. Uh, it, it happens quick. Once this season gets rolling, uh, you, you got to turn the page very quick to the next opponent. Yeah, man, I, I heard you talk about that a little bit. We we are certainly – let me adjust my mic. Apologies. Uh, we are certainly right in the middle of it. I, I feel kind of stuck today from a content standpoint because we just came back from listening to players and Shane Beamer, and they're kind of in between, hey, let's – you know, let's review Eastern Illinois. Let's look ahead to ECU. There's plenty of both. For us, man, we still have so much content that we are still, you know, we've, we've got ready to roll out or we're still working on getting ready to roll out that kind of recaps the Eastern Illinois game, um, looks at some of the relevant storylines, whether it's from that game or going forward, and then and then turning the page to ECU. So there's, there's a lot of both of those things. So it is fast and furious. It's hard to believe it's already – uh, almost end of day on Tuesday. Uh, there's never really, I was going to say close of business Tuesday, Wes. Not really accurate for us, especially this time of year, because uh, it, the days just bleed over. Days into nights, day the next day. I, I, I'm surprised I know what day it is. And I got the day wrong on the Ask Chris thread again this morning. Just the date, not the day. But yeah, a lot going on. Um, so yeah, what what are we getting into today specifically? Well, um, Illinois talk. Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to ask you, but uh, no, I think, uh, I think we start to talk ECU. You know, we we get to hear from players, we get to hear from Beamer, as you, as you know, you said. So, I say we sort of break down what what we heard and what what can we sort of glean from it. You know, in in the past, I I, I would have said we have to translate the coach speak that we heard into. Uh, into normal person speak. I don't think you get quite as much coach speak with, with this group. There is some, there's always going to be some level of coach speak because there has to be, um, but uh, not quite as much as we've seen in the past. So uh, I say here on the show and we're working on hopefully some type of guest at some point this week to give us some ECU insight. That's a little bit greater than we could provide on this team. But I, I would say, man, you know, the, the thing about Shane Beamer that we knew coming in is that, he, you know, I'm sure was taking notes from every single successful head coach he's ever uh, been on a staff with. And I I don't believe that Shane Beamer was ever on Lou Holtz's staff, but he did take, he, he does sort of take a little bit of a page out of the Lou Holtz book when it comes to hyping up South Carolina's uh, opponent so far, um, you know, but I, I will say this, Beamer, and, and a lot of times y'all, these coaches, what they say in the press conferences does sort of mirror the messaging they're giving their team that week about, about the opponent. And for Beamer, a big part of that message we heard today, Chris, was just to point out, Hey, looking back over the last really less than 10 years, this, this ECU program, I was going to say this ECU team, that's probably not accurate, but the program it's different teams, but the ECU program has what three wins over North Carolina, three wins over NC State, couple of wins over Virginia Tech. Um, they really feast on this underdog mindset. Uh, their fans eat that up. Uh, he he hyped up the the atmosphere, which I believe him on that. I've I've never been to an ECU football game, but I've I've seen it on TV. I've been to an ECU baseball series before, and. Uh, Dude, they it's kind of it's kind of similar to South Carolina in, in that sense, and that they love football and baseball. Um, 
they love playing the role of spoiler just as it's kind of in the fabric of their DNA. So I, uh, I think it's kind of interesting um, that Beamer did hype up uh, this team quite a bit, but there's also a lot of truth. Um, he wasn't just making up numbers. He had evidence to back up what he was hyping up. Well, and he had, he had done some research on that. Some of it from personal experience, you know, he passed along uh, the anecdote of, of the staff that he and Torian Gray was on at Virginia tech. They beat Ohio state, Virginia tech did that year, that Ohio state team went on to win the national championship said, you know, we went beat those guys. Then we turned around and we lost at home to ECU. Right. And so, like you said, Wes, program is, is the better usage there because there's obviously been some changeover since that time. Right. But this is a team uh, program. I just did it. You know, that has shown that ability in the past and it's, and it's not going to be an easy place to play. I think most people that have paid attention have kind of, it looked past even a little bit the Eastern Illinois game and kind of chalked that up as a win, and, and that's all done and, and accounted for now. But look to this game in week two, as as our guy Chris Pascal put it from Goings Offering, writes the column, the verdict on Gamecock Central every week is a measuring stick game. That You'll learn more. You'll know more about this team um, and, and its potential and how well they are playing at certain spots, some strengths, some deficiencies after they match up against East Carolina because it's more of an even matchup this week. And Shane Beamer is clearly not wanting his guys to get complacent after a pretty dominating week one victory. Um, He's let that be known in multiple ways, whether it's continuing to harp on penalties and playing clean football or breaking out stats about East Carolina and the environment. You know, he, he had a great quote today, Wes. He said, we know what we're getting into, and if we don't, we're going to figure it out really quick on Saturday. Um, Brad Johnson spoke today, Will Linebacker for the Gamecocks, and mentioned that you know week one against EIU, it gave them confidence, but the right kind of confidence. And I think that's what they're going to have to carry into this game. Shane Beamer clearly does not want his guys to overlook this matchup because he's right. If they did, the outcome won't be good. They're going to have to play quite well to win this game. Yeah, and, you know, let, let's – Let's dive into this this Vegas thing. I, I will say, first of all, everyone has sort of jumped all over this Vegas. Vegas has South Carolina's underdog thing. Um, the initial line was put out by Circa Sports, and they're they're normally first. And I, dude, I'm I'm not a gambler. Like I I really don't I don't have some high level understanding of of all this stuff at all. So I'm not going to pretend that I do. But Circus Sports is almost always when I'm looking for the lines, it's almost always first, and it comes out on Sunday, and then the other um, lines come out a little bit later on. I think either Sunday night or a lot of times Monday morning. Then you can go on Vegas Insider, and uh, you know I go on Vegas Insider. You can look at all the different uh, books and, and see what the line is, and then there's sort of like a consensus line on it. Well, the initial uh, Circus Sports line had South Carolina favored uh, by two. So that's sort of at least one book, and I, I'm assuming the other ones look at that and sort of maybe adjust their thinking as well. But it quickly shifted because generally that means money comes in on ECU at that line. So it, it really wasn't even so much Vegas, at least in, in terms of certain sports, having South Carolina as the underdog. It was kind of the, the people that, that were betting kind of spoke there, and it shifted, and then – the other books followed suit with their opening lines. So I thought that was interesting. 
Also, generally, as the season goes on, the Vegas lines sort of match up with your ESPN FPI, I feel like, which is their analytical uh, version of, of how they expect a game to play out. Like if you play um, 100 times, how many times would this team win? And th- that data actually gets more and more uh, accurate, I believe. Uh, the data from Vegas gets more and more accurate as the season progresses because a lot of what they're plugging in is based off data from last year. And um, I'm sure it, it some of them maybe include recruiting classes and who you lost, who you didn't, and stuff like that. But uh, just, I mean, it, it literally has to be, has to have a lot from, from last year, include a lot from last year. So we'll, we'll sort of see, but, but my point being, the ESPN FPI actually has South Carolina with a 71% chance of winning the game, which for those who ever follow FPI is actually a pretty high number. Um, I I don't know if I've ever seen South Carolina be an underdog by the Vegas lines and be a 71% favorite by ESPN's FPI. Generally, if you're a 71% favorite, I feel like you're probably like a 7 to 10 to maybe even higher favorite is sort of how that, that correlates generally when those two things are, are in lockstep. So kind of interesting, the different analytics right now, and Vegas uses analytics as well. You know, if there's some formula, there's some algorithm that spits out how, how to sort of uh, set these lines. Interesting, Chris, that they're so far off right now, but it has been an interesting topic of discussion this week that ECU is, at least at this point, a uh, considered to be the favorite. It is interesting. I think, you know, it could be mildly surprising, and it's kind of what are you basing that off of? Some of it, uh, like you said, could be based off last season. You know, each of these teams has one game, you know, under its belt. ECU lost to a what we think is a probably going to be a good Appalachian State team. Shane Beamer made a point that, hey, you look at how that game, if you actually watched it, how it got away for from them. They had a touchdown callback due to a penalty at Hail Mary before the half that was called back. So more evenly matched game than that scoreline indicated. South Carolina's first game, again, not learning a lot. I think, Wes, you consider that one way or another, this is probably, you know, I don't know that anybody that follows it would have come out and thought either of these teams is going to win by three touchdowns either way. Um, so you take that, you consider that this is a, a home game for ECU. That's what, don't they say what that's worth a few points. I, I, I'm not a gambling expert, but sometimes between evenly matched teams that can happen. But to, to piggyback off that, it just goes to show that this is a, a, a game that's expected to be a challenge for South Carolina. Now maybe we're sitting here, Next Monday, and South Carolina's played extremely well, and they win the game comfortably. That that could be. But going into this game on paper with what we've seen so far from both teams, what we think about them, probably a close game. The the only stat or not not stat, the only fact that I'm surprised that Shane Beamer did not break out today, Wes, was that Mike Houston brought his Citadel team in here at Williams Bryce in 2015 and upset the Gamecocks that year. Um, he brought out a lot of other facts. He did talk highly of Mike Houston and how he's won everywhere he's been, which is, is true. He's done an outstanding job, and, and this will be a well-coached bunch. 
Wes, also, before I forget, just because there'll be some people wondering, I did make an effort to get ECU Mike Co- ECU head coach Mike Houston on the show. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get him this week. So our streak is already broken. It's up to it's up to Kirby Smart the week after to renew it. Won't be able to get coach. That ain't, that ain't happening. Uh, yeah, I, I think we'll be. Uh, are you are you going to send in the request for Kirby yeah. just so he can deny it? Yes. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure I am. I, I have asked. I've asked some people in the Georgia media if they think there's a chance of it. Haven't heard back yet. I think I might send it in just to do my due diligence and say that I did it. Yeah. So we'll be over the next couple weeks. Mark Stoops, I'm sure he's watching the show right now. If you would like to come on in advance of the Kentucky game, come on. We would love to have you. We'd love to talk ball. Wes and I both speak very highly of Mark Stoops, so he should come on the show. So we'll see. But no Mike Houston this week. Uh, but like Wes said at the beginning of the show, we will effort uh, an East Carolina-centric guest. I think we can make that happen. I think we're I think we're good. That would be the goal. Every week we'll have someone that knows more about the opponent. Hopefully knows far more about the opponent than than we do um, to talk about South Carolina's opponent. Probably, what do we aim for on those, man? Like Wednesday or Thursday, maybe? Um, yeah. Yep. I don't remember what we did last year, but, but we'll do it. Now, Kirby, Travis says Kirby will accept. I I got a better chance of flying, um, flying on my next trip, like literally without the service of a plane, than Kirby Smart to, to say yes. But – We'll see. I guess crazier things have happened. Um, in, injury update. I mean, Gamecock fans everywhere. I, I know injuries are like a, it's kind of a scary thing for you right now. You probably got a little bit of a PTSD on injuries, but Gamecock fans everywhere, knock on some wood. A very positive injury report from Beamer today. Um, we, we saw Luke Doty walk in with our own eyes. He's getting there. You know, I noticed that that they have been they've been pretty open about injuries so far, Chris. And you know, Doty to me, I, I watched dude, I watched him bouncing around in pregame on Saturday. There was like no indication whatsoever that the foot was bothering him. Um now they have talked quite a bit about sort of that that process of getting it back. Uh, there, there's a difference between walking around, having no pain, you know, feeling good versus running away from defensive linemen, I, I feel like. So um, I, I think, Chris, that, that's where they are in this process right now because we heard Doty and Beamer mention wanting to get him to the point of being able to um, get some of that stiffness out of there and just being back. I think it's not even like about 100% as far as the injury, as far as pain or anything like that. It's being back at 100% speed for him. Yeah, that's right. And and I think there were a couple main areas um, just based on what Luke said today and what Coach Beamer said today. And, and it was t- the two main areas. Number one, you've got to feel comfortable running around out there on it. So like you said, Wes, difference between walking around, feeling okay versus – you know, getting yourself out of trouble so that you don't get bombarded by a defensive lineman, right? Uh, Being able to escape the pocket, run around, feel good, plant, you know, stop on a dime. 
for someone like Luke Doty, especially with his athleticism, that's something that he is going to rely on at times. And so you want him to be healthy enough and feel good enough to do that and to be able to get himself out of trouble when he's pressured. And then the second part is kind of uh, just mentally getting back into it. So he has not been doing as much at practice, you know, leading up to the EIU game. Didn't do a ton last last week, admittedly. Did a lot more today at practice than he did last week. And so um, he's taken some positive strides, but it's just, you know, Luke Doty even talked about his footwork dropping back, you know, and things like that. Those are things that he's got to get kind of reaccustomed to in some ways because he hasn't done it as much lately and obviously getting on field reps to actually prepare to play in this game. You know, and I I think it's at the point right now, man, I I wouldn't be surprised. And again, I'm saying this on Tuesday, if my opinion changes, as I hear more information, I will, I will change it. I will tell you, I'm not going to be surprised if we see a little bit of both of these guys, just based on the way this thing is trending. Um, Now, if if Doty is a hundred percent, I, if Doty's 100%, there's zero chance he doesn't play in this game, in my opinion. If Doty is 100%, I don't think that necessarily, Chris, means he starts this game. I think that's whether he starts is going to depend on those things you're talking about. Is the timing where it needs to be? Um, is, is he 100% in practice like by Thursday? Or is he 100% in practice tomorrow? Is he 100% Saturday when he wakes up? Um, is he going into this game with a full complimentary playbook? Or is he going into this game with a package of plays that um, that sort of ease him back in? Those are questions we don't have an answer to yet. Those are questions I believe Chris will be answered by how quickly he's able to get back to full go in practice. So, so for me, I'm – Again, we're, we're still a few days out, but I'm fully expecting that we see both of these guys in some capacity because, A, we know we know what Luke brings to the table and we know what the staff thinks about Luke, but we also know what we saw from Zeb Nolan on Saturday. He did exactly what was expected out of him. Um, you know, I, I think the only way we don't see both, Chris, is if Doty feels amazing tomorrow, Doty has – two really crisp practices, and then Doty gets to start and just tears it up, and there's like no – there's no reason to to make any change. But for the most part, I, I would think it's trending towards at least a possibility that, that both these guys get out here. Obviously, um, we can't predict the future. We don't have a crystal ball. We don't know – a lot of it will be determined, I believe, by these next couple of days and how Luke Doty feels. Yeah, and, and man, that's been the most common question, you know uh, – even more so than, you know, hey, what did you what did y'all think of the EIU game as far as scheme or production or performance? I, I would say the question about Luke Doty, I mean, heck, just the pure amount of questions that Luke fielded today kind of surrounding his health. Shane Beamer getting some questions about Luke Doty's health and some roundabout questions as far as, you know, uh, kind of not directly addressing the quarterback situation, but kind of also addressing it. Um, it's a topic of interest. And so, say that to say everybody wants to know, but it's just too hard to say definitively here on Tuesday what's going to happen. They have a plan. He's been rehabbing. He's been working in practice way farther along than he was. You know, when you when you look at where he was when he started this injury, he gets out of the boot. There's some physical progression that has to happen because of the stiffness and all that. That's a lot better, and he's doing a lot more in practice, but 
we just have to see how these next couple days of preparation go. And that will kind of ultimately tell the story on, on what direction the staff goes. Yeah, no doubt, man. So uh, we'll certainly see. And it is, it's kind of one of those things. I, I'm sure the staff has like an idea. They have some like possibilities in their head. They probably have some, well, if it's like this, we're going to play it like this. If it's like this, we're going to play it like this. I don't think they truly know yet exactly how this is going to play out. So, so we'll, we'll find out as this week progresses. Um, running back room, man, is something that's been a big topic of discussion for uh, really all off season, but uh, we get the news today, Rashad Amos probably back as well. So that's, that's sort of been, I don't know, man, he's been the forgotten guy of this group, but I, I remember previous staff being really high on, on sort of his upside last year as well. So that the room gets even deeper. Sounds like Kevin Harris's true return um, is set for Saturday as well. Beamer was very uh, – he didn't dance around it. He, you know, specifically said Kevin Harris was back, fully padded, practiced today. He will be playing on Saturday. He will have a role. They are still working through what exactly that role will be as far as is it is it a pitch count type situation where you're doing load management or is, is it just full go? I think the most interesting thing from all of this, Chris, is the continue. I, I don't believe we have heard this for the last five years. Something that we've been hearing uh, preseason or pre like game of week of game. Let me spit this out right. Week of game last week, and then we heard Beamer say it again today. That the fact that the personnel is going to dictate the play calling um, or I guess the play calling is going to dictate the personnel is probably the actual accurate way to say it in that we want to run. If, if you're looking at it from an offensive coaching standpoint saying we want to run this play, what is our best combination of players that best do what you need to be able to do for this play to be successful? I'm not saying that wasn't a part of the game plan before. I'm not saying that wasn't a consideration before. I'm just saying, Chris, it doesn't feel like that was ever mentioned a whole lot as far as being a priority thing. I think it was more – it felt like this is the scheme. Put the best players out there. They have to go execute the plays. That's two weeks in a row we've heard them talk about, especially with the running backs, that it's going to be the personnel will be dictated by what they're trying to do in that given play, that given drive on offense. Yeah. And, you know, Zaquandre White last week, you know, earned the start. Wes, he, he might have gotten that regardless of the play. Or they might have said, hey, we really want to, Zaquandre's earned this start. Let's call this play that most effectively fits his skill set right on that first drive. Uh, let, let's, let's make sure we have something in there for him. Mm-hmm in the run game, in the pass game, based on what's called. But, look, you, you look back even at last week. They didn't have Harris. Uh, it was Juju McDowell's first ever college game. It's Marshawn Lloyd's first carry in a college game. They had White. Amos was out, right? So, um, there were a couple plays last week where there were a two, where was a two-back set. Kind of interesting combination. We saw a couple different looks out of those. I think there were only two of those from what I counted. But it was basically a shotgun formation with a back on either side. And one of them in both instances, I believe was Juju McDowell who ultimately moved somewhere else on the field, went in motion, went out to the slot, did something. So 
point is, we know that with them matching personnel, you know, will we see more two back sets in the future, whether it's Juju and another back or a couple of the other backs at the same time? Uh, that could be because we did see a, a decent amount of personnel matchings. I'm sure we didn't see all of them that Marcus Satterfield has in his playbook. That's going to be, you know, trying to create those matchups is going to be a big, you know, point of emphasis, particularly for this offense as they try to feel their way through finding more consistent playmakers. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is interesting with Harris. Beamer noted today no specific limitation that they've been given. Uh, he said if we wanted to, from a pure health standpoint, put Kevin Harris out there for the whole game on Saturday. We we all know, Wes, that's not going to happen because, A, you're not going to want to play him 70 snaps in his first game back. B, you've got what is projected to be a full-strength room. Looking back at Saturday, again, with Harris out, with Amos out, Saquandre White plays 32 snaps. Marshawn Lloyd plays 26. Juju McDowell, the other scholarship back that played, 18. So, you know, interesting numbers there. Now you add in Harris. Will Amos get some run? Probably just depends on how the game goes. But that that is an, a fascinating kind of subplot as far as how these backs get utilized. Yeah, Nick Babb says, uh, do we think a lot of Carolina fans will travel to East Carolina, potentially take over the stadium? Yeah, I would say yes and then no to your second question. I think ECU, it's a it's kind of a, a small-er state. Like, I think Beamer said 50,000 or, or so. Um, it's not a small stadium. It's smaller compared to, like, SEC stadiums. They, they pack this stadium out. Um, now, will, will there be a large – group of South Carolina fans there as well. Absolutely. And Beamer, Beamer once again, by the way, y'all, y'all impressed your head coach quite a bit on Saturday. And he once again, thanked you today for bringing the noise on Saturday. And, uh, you know, he was like, I fully expect a bunch of Garnet to be in the stands. I do as well. That's, that's not a tough trip for a lot of people. You know, you can get there for most of the state in, in a relatively decent amount of time. Um, hit the interstate and go. So, yeah, I, I think there'll be a, a good crowd. And it's, um, it, it's you know, Nick, it's one of those games you don't really play in that stadium a whole lot. I know a lot of fans look at opportunities to go somewhere they haven't been. Not that Greenville, North Carolina is a, like, top destination type place to go. But as far as being in a stadium you maybe have not seen South Carolina play in, yeah, it's, it's an opportunity for you. So I, I, I would be very – I'd be very surprised that there's not a, a decent group of Gamecocks at the stadium uh, this Saturday noon kickoff. A little bit, a uh, little bit of an early day for the Gamecocks, but uh, yeah, noon kickoff. By the way, Chris, before it, before I lose this, this thought, um, this is going back to something from earlier. I'm gonna put you on the spot again. Looking at the FPI right now, <laughs> who who do you think South Carolina is most favored to beat this season? Um, by FPI percentage, this was this was preseason, or this has been updated after week one. It, it it's updated every week, so it is uh, it has been they've spit the they've put the week one results in there, and then it spits out a new number. Okay, I mean, shoot, I don't I don't know what Troy did week one. It, my picks would be out of Troy or Vandy. I'll go Vandy. That is correct, and yeah. how they how, got. How bad potentially they got whooped? Not the not, and I didn't 
full disclosure, I did not watch one play. Me neither. I did not watch one pre-play. I have not looked at one picture. All I know is Vandy got beat. That they uh, they lost twenty three to three for those that didn't see to East Tennessee State. To East Tennessee State. They at home, right? Twenty three yeah. to three, yes. and very small crowd, even by Vandy standards. Not to pile on, but uh, and. <laughs> Lost twenty three to three. I think they scored a field goal in the in the first quarter, and then were shut out the rest of the game. I, I would like Wes. I I really I'm out of sheer morbid fascination. I want to go back and watch some of that game until I can't watch it anymore. But that, that so Troy was is probably second, right? If I had to if I had to guess, and what actually, is actually ECU is second. Okay. Ooh. FBI yeah. is high on Troy. Okay, high on Troy. It is, it is so yes. Yeah, so Vandy, Vandy, right now, South Carolina has a ninety four point nine percent chance of beating Vanderbilt, which in FBI terms is that's that's astronomical. Right. Like to to, to put that in perspective, y'all. Y'all 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 know how y'all are South Carolina fans. Y'all, if you're listening or watching. You know where South Carolina is as a program right now. One game into what I consider a rebuild, and most people consider a rebuild. FPI gives South Carolina a better chance of knocking off Georgia at Georgia, of beating Clemson, of beating Texas A&M at Texas A&M, than they do of Vanderbilt beating South Carolina. That's a remarkable Think about that for a second. So – South Carolina yeah. is going to be a 20-something point underdog at Georgia in a couple of weeks. And and FBI gives South Carolina a better chance – or gives South Carolina a better chance of winning in Athens or of knocking off Clemson this year than, um, than, than basically Vandy knocking off South Carolina. Whew, that that may it's, – it's one game. And I know um, Clark Lee is a uh, – very well respected coach, and he he didn't he didn't create what he's in right now. But man, that thing may be an even bigger rebuild than we thought. Hey, I'll tell you though, I just looked over Vandy's schedule, and there may be light at the end of the tunnel for those guys. I, yeah, I, it's I, a freight I, train. I, I, <laughs> true in 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 league play, but um, and I, then I'll get off Andy because I don't want to make it a Vandy show. Next week, Wes, they play Colorado State. Now, it's on the road, and as we know, Vandy is also bad based on week one results, right? So I'm not saying, well, they're going to win that game. But Colorado State last lost last week 42-23 to at home versus the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. And also on Vanderbilt's schedule this year, after they play Stanford and then Georgia, which there is no – FPI, what, what's the FPI on that? 99.9999% for, for the Bulldogs, Georgia and Vandy. Um, <laughs> Hold please. All right. After Vandy plays Stanford and Georgia, they get to play UConn at home. UConn is atrocious. Randy Edsel retired. Not a coach anymore. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they can, you know, squeak out a win or two this season. But other than that, man, 
it's going to be tough sledding for the Commodores based on week one. Now, maybe they've just played absolutely atrocious, but that was a that was a rough look week one for those guys. Yes. Yes, it was. Um, Wes, while you effort that, let oh, me go ahead. Tell them. Well, okay, go ahead. yeah. Go ahead. Tell let, me tell, let me tell the people about Dead Soxy. For those of you on the stream, I just popped it up. GamecockCentral.com partnered again this 2021 football season with the fine folks at Dead Soxy. That's D-E-A-D. S-O-X-Y dot com. Go there, shop the college line for the Spurs socks that you see up in the top left corner if you're on the stream. But if you want athletic socks, the boardroom line, which is their dress socks, no show, all with patented non-slip technology and buttery soft feel. They are awesome socks. You can get 25% off your entire order by using the promo code cocky at deadsoxy.com. Wes. Dude. I don't know, man. We we we're, we're going down a dangerous path here, but we literally could talk about Vandy all all show. Um, these numbers, good grief! I tell you what, dude. They actually they are heavily favored over UConn, according to FPI. Well, UConn. How 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 many teams are there now that um, that would be on here for for all of college football? Is it 130? I think that sounds right. Um, according to FPI, UConn is the worst team in the country. Yikes. Like the actual worst team in the country. Big yikes. So yeah. Vandy is an 83% favorite over them, according to FPI. But the other ones, good grief, man. Colorado State, 24%. Stanford, 16%. Georgia, 1.2%. Um, crazy, man. Yeah. That's, that's FBI is very high on Ole Miss, by the way. Interesting. It's very high. So, uh, and I will also not turn this into a Louisville show, but Wes, Scott Satterfield, after spending a, a good portion of the offseason trying to get Looking for other jobs. <laughs> specifically South Carolina, uh, you know, trying planning an exit strategy behind the scenes there. Bad look ended ended badly in that way for him. Had to do some try to attempt some damage control. Probably kind of a lot of the fans there are pretty peeved because uh, the thought was they would be, you know, a lot better. They did not look very good. Of course, a lot of people, FPI high on Miss, a lot of people that just cover the game on a regional national scale, you know, thinks Ole Miss has a chance to take a big step forward. But they they handed it to Louisville last night, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, let's – I'm trying to think, was there any other big news from today, press conference that I'm missing? Uh, uniform report looking like white, white, white. So uh, not not finalized, Beamer said, but looking like um, they'll go with the, the Stormtrooper look. Um, Taylor Dively. Gamecock super fan, very upset about that. Chris, let's talk a minute of recruiting because I don't think we've hit on much from this past Saturday. And I know you talked to uh, to Brian Thomas Jr., uh, NFL legacy guy, someone that Beamer actually referenced uh, without saying his name in the uh, the postgame press conference. He was the lone official visitor from the game this past weekend. He actually did the whole come in on Saturday, leave on Monday version of an official visit. 
Lots of unofficial visitors were on campus on Saturday, but uh, he was the lone OV guy. Sounded like very positive feedback from him. Could could we be hearing something rel- like pretty soon from, from him as far as a decision goes, you think? I think so. You know, doesn't have a, a firm timeline. Um, but, look, going into this visit, Wes, already even publicly down to a couple schools, you know, West Virginia, South Carolina, took an official visit to West Virginia this summer, wanted to see South Carolina officially before he did anything. Now he's seen that. And it, it really seemed to go extremely well. Uh, parents enjoyed the trip. Brian Thomas himself enjoyed the trip. And what he told me afterwards, Wes, was going to kind of take some time, talk it over with my parents, pros and cons, and then come to a decision, you know, when, whenever the timing is right. So I don't get a sense, just kind of reading the tea leaves and from what he said, that this is going to drag out incredibly long because he's already kind of gotten towards the end of the process. But a uh, a guy that South Carolina had in camp this summer, Mike Peterson, the edge coach, you know, worked with him in camp, got an up close look this summer. Shorter guy, right? So, you know, maybe six foot one or something like that. Think maybe not not as thick, but you know, kind of that Eric Norwood type of height, Wes. He, he's around that size, but also a, a pass rush type of specialist. It's got some quicks, and obviously with his father, Brian Thomas, longtime New York Jet, played his entire career up there. Uh, multi-year NFL vet who's a really good player. So Brian Thomas Jr., definitely a guy, you know, that we're tracking heavily, especially after this weekend. Yeah, got to watch for South Carolina in this class. And, uh, dude, Stone Blanton making another trip to South Carolina. I I spoke to him yesterday, actually right before we, we came on the air for the show. And I don't know, man, very – Stone Stone really is, is one of the nicer kids that uh, – that I've talked to he's one of those guys that everything is awesome or super awesome or super cool. Um, very hard for me to get a read on stone Blanton as far as where he may be leaning. He's still got visits to Mississippi state, still a visit to Ole Miss. But I, I do think just if you follow the visits here, man, he already took his official visit. He already got his look at the program um, coming out here unofficially wanting to see the team in person, wanting to see the atmosphere in person. Really, the, the relationship there with Clayton White, man, I, I think we're learning that um, that Clayton White is is one of these guys when you, you, you get kids in front of him in person versus uh, Zoom and the phone and all this stuff. We even noted the difference just in the, the in-person press conferences as far as, um, you know, just how, how relaxed and, and kind of um, actually really funny personality that, you know, that he has. So I, I feel that was, that was my biggest takeaway from talking to Stone Blanton was that he really seems to trust and, and have a strong relationship with uh, with Clayton White. Now, now whether it'll be enough to beat like the Mississippi schools or, um, you know, the other programs involved, I don't have a read on it. But I, I do think it's another positive development for South Carolina that he came out here and um, really, really liked the kids film, too, man. Like he would be an, an excellent pickup for South Carolina if they could pull that off. Yeah, and, and that's the question, Wes. I mean, this summer, I keep going back to this anecdote, you know, when he took his official visit to South Carolina, I mean, things sounded not only publicly but privately really good for South Carolina. I mean, again, people that we talked to that were familiar with the visits and interacted with people and, and saw how it went, you know, they kind of talked about Blanton's visit in the same terms and the same light as they did with Ryan Brubaker, who would eventually 
go on to commit to South Carolina. Um, so the positioning seemed good, but there were some caveats, right? Obviously, he's still committed to Mississippi State for baseball, which he is even currently. Uh, we knew that there is a distance factor with this being a Mississippi kid. And the Mississippi schools are obviously in on him for football, too. So next couple visits, if I'm not mistaken, West Ole Miss and then Mississippi State, right, uh, to close out the month of September. And then, you know, so, so that's, the, that's the question is, even if South Carolina is in a pretty good position right now, can they pull him out of the state? And then will these next visits to Ole Miss and Mississippi State, will, will they change the equation? It's entirely possible. So could be kind of a moving target, but no doubt South Carolina is firmly in the mix there. Yeah, and that's what you want, y'all. Out-of-state out guys, not that it doesn't happen, but if you're battling really good programs or, or in-state programs for them, kind of rare – uh, if they have offers, which which he does, to just like go in there and just land a guy and, and it'd be easy. You know, you kind of have to hang in there, hang in there and hope it breaks your way a, a little bit and hope you maybe get a little luck along the way. And South Carolina with Blanton, certainly uh, hanging in there so far. Um, all right, Chris, I, I think that's a good spot to stop it, man. We we started uh, we started late. Uh, I don't want to go too much past uh, past our normal ending time, but did uh, didn't want to just do a completely short show. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll hear from coordinators on Wednesday. Um, be checking Gamecock Central. We're going to have some more of our, like, in-depth type analysis from the game this past week. And then we'll really be turning the page to uh, to ECU as well. And we'll be working on uh, either Wednesday or Thursday having a, uh, a an ECU expert to, to come on, whether it's uh, the ECU Rivals guy or maybe their play-by-play guy. We'll, we'll have somebody on who can more tell you guys about ECU. So for Chris, I'm Wes. Uh, We'll see you all tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.